Section 3 of On Christian Doctrine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joshua Smolders of Vancouver, British Columbia. On Christian Doctrine by Augustine of Hippo. Translated by J. F. Shaw. Section 3. Chapter 23. Man needs no injunction to love himself in his own body. Those things which are objects of use are not all, however, to be loved, but those only which are either united with us in a common relation to God, such as a man or an angel, or are so related to us as to need the goodness of God through our instrumentality, such as the body. For assuredly the martyrs did not love the wickedness of their persecutors, although they used it to attain the favor of God. As then there are four kinds of things that are to be loved. First, that which is above us second ourselves third that which is on a level with us fourth that which is beneath us no precepts need to be given about the second and fourth of these for however far a man may fall away from the truth he still continues to love himself and to love his own body the soul which flies away from the unchangeable light the ruler of all things does so that it may rule over itself and over its own body and so it cannot but love both itself and its own body. Moreover, it thinks it has attained something very great if it is able to lord it over its companions, that is, other men, for it is inherent in the sinful soul to desire above all things and to claim as due to itself that which is properly due to God only. Now such love of itself is more correctly called hate, for it is not just that it should desire what is beneath it to be obedient to it while itself will not obey its own superior and most justly has it been said he who loveth iniquity hateth his own soul and accordingly the soul becomes weak and endures much suffering about the mortal body for of course it must love the body and be grieved at its corruption and the immortality and incorruptibility of the body spring out of the health of the soul now the health of the soul is to cling steadfastly to the better part that is to the unchangeable god but when it aspires to lord it even over those who are by nature its equals, that is, its fellow man, this is a reach of arrogance utterly intolerable. Chapter 24 No man hates his own flesh, not even those who abuse it. No man, then, hates himself. On this point, indeed, no question was ever raised by any sect, but neither does any man hate his own body, for the apostle says truly, No man ever yet hated his own flesh. When some people say that they would rather be without a body altogether, they entirely deceive themselves. For it is not their body, but its corruptions and its heaviness that they hate. And so it is not no body, but an uncorrupted and very light body that they want. But they think a body of that kind would be no body at all, because they think such a thing as that must be a spirit. And as to the fact that they seem in some sort to scourge their bodies by abstinence and toil, those who do this in the right spirit do it not that they may get rid of their body, but that they may have it in subjection and ready for every needful work. For they strive by a kind of toilsome exercise of the body itself to root out those lusts that are hurtful to the body, that is, those habits and affections of the soul that lead to the enjoyment of unworthy objects. They are not destroying themselves. They are taking care of their health. Those, on the other hand, who do this in a perverse spirit make war upon their own body as if it were a natural enemy. 
In this matter, they are led astray by a mistaken interpretation of what they read. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. For this is said of the carnal habit, yet unsubdued, against which the spirit lusteth not to destroy the body, but to eradicate the lust of the body, i.e. its evil habit, and thus to make it subject to the spirit, which is what the order of nature demands. For as after the resurrection the body, having become wholly subject to the spirit, will live in perfect peace to all eternity, even in this life we must make it an object to have the carnal habit changed for the better, so that its inordinate affections may not war against the soul. And until this shall take place, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, the spirit struggling not in hatred, but for the mastery, because it desires that what it loves should be subject to the higher principle, and the flesh struggling not in hatred, but because of the bondage of habit which it has derived from its parent stock, and which has grown in upon it by a law of nature till it has become inveterate. The spirit, then, in subduing the flesh, is working, as it were, to destroy the ill-founded peace of an evil habit, and to bring about the real peace which springs out of a good habit. Nevertheless, not even those who, led astray by false notions, hate their bodies, would be prepared to sacrifice one eye, even supposing that they could do so without suffering any pain, and that they had as much sight left in one as they formerly had in two, unless some object was to be attained which would overbalance the loss. This, and other indications of the same kind, are sufficient to show those who candidly seek the truth how well founded is the statement of the Apostle when he says, No man ever yet hated his own flesh. He adds too, But nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the Church. Chapter 25 A man may love something more than his body, but does not therefore hate his body. Man, therefore, ought to be taught the due measure of loving, that is, in what measure he may love himself, so as to be of service to himself. For that he does love himself, and does desire to do good to himself, nobody but a fool would doubt. He is to be taught, too, in what measure to love his body, so as to care for it wisely within due limits. For it is equally manifest that he loves his body also, and desires to keep it safe and sound. And yet a man may have something that he loves better than the safety and soundness of his body. For many have been found voluntarily to suffer both pains and amputations of some of their limbs, that they might obtain other objects which they valued more highly. But no one is to be told not to desire the safety and health of his body, because there is something he desires more. For the miser, though he loves money, buys bread for himself. That is, he gives away money that he is very fond of and desires to heap up, but it is because he values more highly the bodily health which the bread sustains. It is superfluous to argue longer on a point so very plain, but this is just what the error of wicked men often compels us to do. Chapter 26 The command to love God and our neighbor includes a command to love ourselves. Seeing, then, that there is no need of a command that every man should love himself and his own body, seeing, that is, that we love ourselves and what is beneath us but connected with us, through a law of nature which has never been violated, and which is common to us with the beasts, for even the beasts love themselves and their own bodies, it only remained necessary to lay injunctions upon us in regard to God above us and our neighbor beside us. Thou shalt love, he says, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, 
and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Thus the end of the commandment is love, and that twofold, the love of God and the love of our neighbor. Now if you take yourself in your entirety, that is, soul and body together, and your neighbor in his entirety, soul and body together, for man is made up of soul and body, you will find that none of the classes of things that are to be loved is overlooked in these two commandments. For though, when the love of God comes first, and the measure of our love for him is prescribed in such terms that it is evident all other things are to find their center in him, nothing seems to be said about our love for ourselves. Yet when it is said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, it at once becomes evident that our love for ourselves has not been overlooked. Chapter 27. The Order of Love Now he is a man of just and holy life, who forms an unprejudiced estimate of things, and keeps his affections also under strict control, so that he neither loves what he ought not to love, nor fails to love what he ought to love, nor loves that more which ought to be loved less, nor loves that equally which ought to be loved either less or more, nor loves that less or more which ought to be loved equally. No sinner is to be loved as a sinner, and every man is to be loved as a man for God's sake, but God is to be loved for his own sake. And if God is to be loved more than any man, each man ought to love God more than himself. Likewise, we ought to love another man better than our own body, because all things are to be loved in reference to God, and another man can have fellowship with us in the enjoyment of God, whereas our body cannot. For the body only lives through the soul, and it is by the soul that we enjoy God. Chapter 28. How we are to decide whom to aid. Further, all men are to be loved equally. But since you cannot do good to all, you are to pay special regard to those who, by the accidents of time or place or circumstance, are brought into closer connection with you. For suppose that you had a great deal of some commodity and felt bound to give it away to somebody who had none, and that it could not be given to more than one person. If two persons presented themselves, neither of whom had either from need or relationship a greater claim upon you than the other, you could do nothing fairer than to choose by lot to which you would give what could not be given to both. Just so among men. Since you cannot consult for the good of them all, you must take the matter as decided for you by a sort of lot, according as each man happens for the time being to be more closely connected with you. Chapter 29. We are to desire and endeavor that all men may love God. Now of all who can with us enjoy God, we love partly those to whom we render services, partly those who render services to us, partly those who both help us in our need and in turn are helped by us, partly those upon whom we confer no advantage and from whom we look for none. We ought to desire, however, that they should all join with us in loving God, and all the assistance that we either give them or accept from them should tend to that one end. For in the theatres, dens of iniquity though they be, if a man is fond of a particular actor and enjoys his art as a great or even as the very greatest good, he is fond of all who join with him in admiration of his favorite, not for their own sakes, but for the sake of him who they admire in common. And the more fervent he is in his admiration, the more he works in every way he can 
to secure new admirers for him, and the more anxious he becomes to show him to others, and if he finds any one comparatively indifferent, he does all he can to excite his interest by urging his favorite's merits. If, however, he meet with any one who opposes him, he is exceedingly displeased by such a man's contempt of his favorite, and strives in every way he can to remove it. Now, if this be so, what does it become us to do who live in the fellowship of the love of God, the enjoyment of whom is true happiness of life, to whom all who love him owe both their own existence and the love they bear him, concerning whom we have no fear that anyone who comes to know him will be disappointed in him, and who desires our love not for any gain to himself, but that those who love him may obtain an eternal reward, even himself whom they love. And hence it is that we love even our enemies, for we do not fear them, seeing they cannot take away from us what we love, but we pity them rather, because the more they hate us, the more they are separated from him whom we love. For if they would turn to him, they must of necessity love him as the supreme good, and love us too as partakers with them in so great a blessing. End of section 3